So I want to do a podcast about some interesting stats and facts, and I'll start with a little story. Most of this will be political, but not this one. A few years ago, I was watching a Geico commercial, and they say, you know, 15 minutes can save you 15% off your car insurance. And I was like, I'd like to save 15% off my car insurance. So I went online and, you know, to, to get a quote. And I'll tell you what, the first thing is they're not joking about the 15 minutes. Like, you know, you should just be able to put in your age, your zip code, you know, you want full coverage, comp and collision, or just liability, and they could just they could give you the answer right then, and you would know if they're cheaper or not, but they don't do that. They make you go through 15 minutes of filling out forms. I'm sure they do that because sometimes when people get that far into it, they probably just keep going even when they don't save money. But if you listen to their commercials carefully, what they say is, of the people who switched to Geico, they saved an average of $150. And so I imagine now that I've triggered you into being skeptical of this stuff, you noticed. It's the part where they say, of the people who switched to Geico. So I'm going to make an exaggerated example to illustrate the point. So say a thousand people watch that commercial, and they go and they fill out the form, and 999 of them get a result that is more, costs more than the insurance they currently have. And then one of those people gets a quote that's $150 less than whatever they're currently paying. Well then, 999 people do not switch over, and the one person who's going to save 150 bucks switches over. So there's two ways you could, you know, you could phrase it. You could say, of the people who switched, they saved an average of $150, because that's that one person. Or you could say, 999 out of 1,000 people would not save money if, if they switched to Geico. Which goes along with that famous quote. I think it's attributed to Mark Twain, but it ain't from him, which is, there's lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. And just to finish up with the car insurance thing, it turns out that every car insurance company has like different rates in different states. So, you know, Geico might save you $150 in California, and it might be the most expensive one in New York. It just depends on your state, and obviously they don't tell you in the commercials which one is good. And all the companies, all, all state, State Farm, they all say stuff about, oh, people who switch save this much money. That's because if you happen to be in the right state, you might save money. Maybe you moved, you know, maybe you moved states and you have your old insurance company still. And now you moved to a state where it's a different one. It's cheaper. And then one other thing, when I was getting into, you know, I was researching this after I got a quote that was more than I was paying, is that there's only one insurance company that's better than the rest of them. Like they all have, you know, not Yelp, but you can go find reviews of insurance companies. They all get terrible reviews. You know, they don't want to pay you when they owe you money and... You know, they put you on hold. Anyway, you know, you know what, you know the treatment they give you. There's only one insurance company that treats you better than the others, and it's USAA. But unfortunately, that one is limited to members of the armed services. Like, it's, it's for veterans. Basically, it's for veterans or current military personnel. And I think sometimes if your parent is a veteran, you can get on it also. So. You know, if you if you're using some other insurance company and your dad's a veteran, 
try and get him to sign up for USAA, and he might be able to get you on. Or your mom. Okay, so this podcast, I'm going to... Just when I think of an interesting stat, I'm just going to make a little segment and add it on to what you just heard here, and then we'll see. See how many little segments I can add to it, and then I'll release it. All right, so here's some interesting uh, facts and or stats that you may not know. So if you listen to my podcast, you know that every race is killed proportional, killed by police proportional to the amount of violent crime that they commit. But let's talk about the wealth gap, and it relates, it relates back to that first thing, which is that the average age for black people is 28, and the average age for white people, this is in the U.S., is 38. So 28 and 38. So, you know, I'll just ask myself, was I doing, was I being, was I doing stupid stuff when I was 28, or, you know, let's say from 20 to 28, that's when I was doing the stupidest stuff I ever done in my life. Stuff that was not good for me, wasn't probably that great for the people around me. It was stupid. But, you know, by the age of 30 to 38, I'd gotten over most of that counterproductive stuff, and I'd become an adult. You know, I mean, you're an adult at 18, but it doesn't mean you're not stupid and doing stupid stuff. So doing stupid stuff will get you involved with the police. I think for me, I had maybe five encounters with the police in my life, and they're pretty much all from like about 18 to 28. And it wasn't like, I'm not a violent criminal, you know, it'd be like getting pulled over for a bad taillight, I think that was one of them. Uh, Like the only one that wasn't a traffic-related thing that I was basically uh, innocent of was I got minor possession when I was 18 years old, minor possession of alcohol. I was at a party, the party got busted. But so anyways, one of the times was uh, I was in a car accident and the cop and my car was undrivable afterwards. The cop gave me a ride home. I mean, he gave me a probably a 20-minute 20, yeah, 20 ride home. And it was a long dirt road, and anyways, that was a very nice guy. But I guess my point is, is that since the age of 28, I have not had a single interaction with a police officer, good or bad, and that's how you want to keep it. So to compare, you know, when you're comparing two races and their interactions with the police, you're actually comparing two age groups and their interactions with the police. And so you know how that goes. And so the second part is the wealth gap. Now there is a huge wealth gap. It's kind of crazy. There's a lot there's a lot to it. Maybe I'll do a podcast on it sometime, but anyways, the first thing that people should know about the black white wealth gap is that the average black person is 28 and the average white person is 38. And so just imagine how much richer you, or maybe, or at least if it ain't you, most people are when they're 38 versus 28. I mean, it's just, you've had a decade of working in your job and, you know, paying your paying your mortgage, you know, not your, most people's wealth is in their house. So you got 10 more years of paying into your mortgage, and that's where your wealth comes from. And I'm not saying that the wealth gap is a fraud or that, you know, there's problems, there's problems that are not caused by black people it's you know it's systemic or it's maybe left over from the system you know they got there's things that are left over from a system of years years gone by but anyways 
no matter what you're no matter what you're saying it saying or attributing it to the first thing you have to acknowledge is that the ages are completely different so you know you got to account for that if you're just saying black people versus white people that is not a fair comparison cuz now you're saying young people versus old people basically actually i will go a little bit more into that one the wealth gap so i mean this ain't fair this ain't fair i i believe in fairness and this ain't fair but a lot of the wealth that white people have is like they were old enough and they had the you know they had a good enough whatever education or work ethic or you know whatever it is you you know a good family structure or a good neighborhood anyways they had a lot of stuff that black people didn't have and the important thing is is they had it like in the 80s and you go you know the 80s and earlier you could be a gas station attendant and buy a house you know, if you if you somehow did that, and now you're you know now you're an old person living in a house, if you bought it in the right area, you know, like Brooklyn or Portland, Oregon or L.A. I mean, you're sitting on you could be sitting on a million dollar house now that cost you know maybe twenty five grand back then. And so it's not fair, but basically, white people were kind of they were the right age. I mean, they also had a better family structure, but they were they were the right age and in the right places in the 80s and it's just you know to uh you know you can buy a house in manhattan now and it will double in value maybe but uh you can't get into that without being some sort of ivy league thing now anyways basically there was a time there was a time to be uh just slightly upper middle class and that was the 70s and the 80s and that was the time that unfortunately black people kind of got passed over because of previous uh you know previous things of the system so I want to talk about the gender wage gap for a second. So I'm going on Wikipedia. I'll just read. In the United States, the non-adjusted average female's annual salary is 79% of the average male salary, whereas it's 95% for the adjusted average salary. And so that's like, you know, if you work the same amount of hours, if you have the same experience... So, you know, people who want to hype the gap will quote the 79% one because women, you know, they work less hours, you know, to start with. There's a bunch of differences, but the first thing is, like, they work less hours. So they got 79% of the money that men make, whereas you take it into all the stuff into account, like, you know, well, if you, you know, if, if, you, if we compared apples to apples, like a man that works 40 hours a week and a woman that works 40 hours a week, and all the other stuff, then you get women to make 95% of it. But now why isn't it 100% of it? Because I believe when you look at, like, young women, you know, out of Ivy League colleges going into highfalutin careers, women actually make more money to start out with. But then after a while, you know, 20 years later, oh, they're making less. And basically the reason is, um, you know, who raises the children? Who raises the children? The answer is the women do it. And I don't I don't really hear women calling for, you know, I want the husband, you know, they give birth and they're like, okay, the husband's going to stay home and I'm getting the heck out of there. No, you know, you're, you're attached to your baby when you're a woman. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. But I just want to uh, list some of the majors in college that men or women gravitate to. Okay, so these are majors that men make up 85 to 93% of the people in that major. 
and it's like construction management, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, aerospace engineering, civil engineering, computer science. You get the idea. Those are all high-paying jobs. You know, like, why do you go into that? Well, maybe you enjoy it, and, you know, who doesn't enjoy money? So two, two things are good about those. People actually do enjoy those jobs. I don't know if they, they don't enjoy going to college for physics or math, but once you get your job and you don't have to learn it, you just have to use what you learned in college, you get very, very high um, job satisfaction. Okay, now some majors for women. This is uh, women are make up eighty-three to ninety-five percent of the people in these majors. Um, art history, French. I, mean, I didn't even know that. You know, why would you get a why would you get a degree in French? I have no idea. Anyways, women are eighty-four percent of people getting a degree in French. I hope those other sixteen percent are trans or something. Uh, now, occupational therapy, that's a good job. Nursing, that's a good job. Social work, not not that good a job. I don't think they enjoy it that much and doesn't pay that well. And then we're getting, here's the, here's the top three that their women are into. Elementary education, uh, interior design, and fashion design. I mean, those are just whatever. You know, interior design, if you marry a rich person, then you get to design your house and your degree finally comes into play. Anyways, almost all of those don't don't pay nothing except for occupational therapy and nursing. And what's funny is French actually pays more than interior design. But anyways, these choices, these are not uh, forced by society. This is not racist. Oh, I mean sexist stuff. This is just men and women are different. Our brains are wired slightly differently and we make different choices like if you ask me do I want to be a first grade teacher and be put in charge of 20 super cute little first graders the answer is heck no I don't keep them keep those cute little buggers as far away from me as possible you know as long as they're over 30 feet away from me I can enjoy how they're cute, or maybe a still picture of them, but uh, do not let them around me. They're going to drive me up the wall. Whereas I think a lot of women would have a totally different opinion. They'd be like, oh, I want to interact with these cute little buggers. Fine. And then imagine like chemical engineering. Like chemical engineering is one of the ways to really make a lot of money because you can go work for the petroleum in petroleum industry. So, you know, like, if you ask me, like, hey, do you want to be a chemical engineer and, like, you know, get flown on a helicopter to some no-man's land in Iceland and then have a machine that, like, simulates earthquakes while you try and find uh, the oil that's under the ground and you're stuck there in six-foot snow? I'm like, that sounds awesome. Anyways, some men and women are just different. All right, here's a fun fact. Uh, if you want to convert from, you know, how much you make per hour into how much you make per year, you multiply it by 2,000. And what I really do in my mind is I, multi I, 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 I times it by 2, and then after that I times it by 1,000. So, like, say you make $10 an hour. Well, you times that by 2, so that's 20. And then you times it by a thousand, so that's twenty thousand. So if you make ten dollars an hour, 
you will make $20,000 a year. And, you know, let's pick a random number. Say you make $16 an hour. Well, times it by two, that's 32. Times it by 1,000, $32,000. So if you make $16 an hour, you make $32,000 per year. And you can also kind of do it the other direction. Like, say, you know, say you're salaried. So you don't work 40 hours a week or whatever, you work more. But say you're salaried and you make, I don't know, $80,000 a year. What we can do is, to go the other direction, is you divide it by two. So 80000 becomes 40000 And then you just remove the 1000 So it becomes forty. So if you make $80,000 a year, that's like you make $40 an hour if you work 40 hours a week. So you, know, you always got to know it. All this stuff is based on 40 hours a week. The reason why it works is because 40 hours a week times 52 weeks. Drop off two weeks for vacation. So you get 40 times 50. That's 2,000. But it's pretty easy. you know. So if someone at McDonald's is making 750 an hour, well, that's 15,000. If, uh, you know, if some CNA is making $12 an hour, well, that's 24,000. right? You can just do that in your head. super easy. And it's pretty handy. Well, there's one on race and there's one on gender. So figured I'd do one on race and transgender. Why not? So a year or two ago when the Democrats were uh, going for the nomination, CNN had like a LGBTQ plus town hall. A couple strange things happened there. One of them was a, a nine-year-old trans boy, so born a biological woman, sorry, girl, dressing as a boy, nine years old, was like, what are you going to do to help trans people? And uh, Elizabeth Warren was like, I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to let you vet my education secretary. So this nine-year-old, if she had won, apparently, if Elizabeth Warren had won, then this nine-year-old could have said thumbs up or thumbs down to whatever secretary, education secretary, that Elizabeth Warren chose. I mean, probably wasn't going to happen, but that's what Warren said. But the other thing that happened there, there was a black trans woman, so that's born a biological man, dresses like a woman. Um, she kind of like grabbed the mic and was just like strutting around and just took over the whole show for quite a while. And she was, you know, I don't know, minutes, but I mean, she took over the whole show. Check it out sometime. And uh, she was like, trans people are being murder murdered. I think she's saying black trans women are being murdered. What are you going to do? And she really, whatever. She harped on it for quite a while. Anyways, this is a YouTube channel called Nuance Bro. Other people did the math on this, but if you want to see the math, Nuance Bro did a, did a video on it where he really, really went into the math. But long story short, um, black trans women are killed or murdered at the same rate as black men, you know, of the same age. So basically they're killed they're not they're not killed any more or any less than they would have been if they hadn't been transgender. They're just killed at the same rate as young black men are or whatever black men are, which is, you know, which is higher than average for than other groups. It's the highest it's the highest group. But anyways, there you go. If anyone ever tells you that black transgender women are being murdered, well, 
they are, but not any more than you would expect. Okay, so that's black trans women. Uh, a fact about trans men. I mentioned it in another podcast. This comes from a blocked and reported po- podcast where they talk to a person who transitioned into a man and then transitioned back into a woman. Anyway, so the person was a lesbian. And they were saying that when you take a bunch of testosterone, as you're transitioning into a man, becoming a trans man, um, it's not uncommon to take an interest in straight men. So basically, you're a lesbian your whole life. You never wanted to have sex with a straight man. You get hopped up on testosterone. And all of a sudden, you get a hankering for some straight man sex. And then some people, you know, maybe if you, I guess if you never stop taking testosterone, maybe you just, who knows what you do. But in her case, she, uh, you know, she stopped taking the testosterone and just went back to being a normal lesbian. And then she looks back on that period of time when she was on testosterone and was like, that's gross. Like, why would, you know, I'm a lesbian. Why the heck would I have, you know, it's almost like her having gay sex or gay gay sex. Anyways. So that's the interesting thing about uh, trans men and lesbians. So let's talk about lesbians a little bit. If you know a lot of lesbians, this may sound true to you. It sound it sounded true to me. Anyways, Brett Weinstein was uh, talking about the difference between gay men and lesbians, and he was saying like, if you ever met a lesbian who had a bad relationship with a man and then became a lesbian? Like, you know, I guess I'm asking you, listener, why aren't you replying? Anyways, I have met people like that. But then he's like, have you ever met a man who had such a bad relationship with a woman that he became gay? Like, man, that woman really raked me over the coals. I'm going to become gay for the rest of my life. I never heard of such a thing, and I'm pretty darn sure it doesn't exist. So there's something a little bit different about lesbians versus gay men.